Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Wild NFL Sunday tone. Uh, I still can't get over what I witnessed in the Dolphins Ravens yesterday, and that was just one storyline of a crazy week. I, I don't know how you keep up with it on the TV tone because <laughs> I, I still can't believe what I witnessed with Tua Tagovailoa yesterday. Yeah, that was a career game for him easily. And that's what happens when you surround a guy with weapons. And when you look at that Miami Dolphins defense, you see the firepower. The question was always, can they put it together? Can Tua show that he can be that guy? And that win yesterday against the Baltimore Ravens, that's a signature win. That's a win that goes on the resume. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. And – for him and Kyler Murray, I, I felt like that was a game where both of them kind of shut up their haters a bit. Kyler Murray had a 20-point comeback against the Raiders. And where you think Kyler Murray's a franchise quarterback or not, I watched that whole game yesterday live. I'm sorry. I'd rather have Kyler Murray on my team than not. And if you want to get on a quarterback, like Eagles fans do with their quarterback, some Eagles fans, I should say, guess what? You're going to take the good with the bad. And – Kyler Murray, to me, is just one of those players that you need him to run. You need him to use his legs. He covered 85 yards on a two-point conversion yesterday. I mean, if he doesn't convert that, they lose. Uh, He converted two two two-point conversions in the final seven minutes yesterday to even force overtime. It just tells you what happens when you have someone who can make plays at quarterback, almost like the Eagles can with Jalen Hurts. And look. Arizona should be 0-2 today. They're not. I, we're going to get in the NC East in a bit, but I got to talk about these two crazy comments. We never had in the NFL, in the entire 103-year history of the NFL, two teams come back from two 20-point deficits in the second half yesterday, and we got two. Well, I mean, that just speaks to the the amount of parity in the NFL. There's there, there are teams that are actually good now. Even if they may not be Super Bowl contenders, they're talented enough where they can catch you slipping. Or if you take your foot off the gas, they can catch you. I love the Detroit Lions, you know, um, the Cardinals and, you know, the Dolphins. These teams are starting to make a name for themselves. And they're starting to rise, you know, from the ashes, right? So I got to be honest with you. One of the most impressive comebacks to me was that Dolphins game. Like, that was that was probably one of the most spectacular things I've seen because they dropped 28 points in the fourth quarter and it just seemed that the Baltimore Ravens were like just got blitzed. They had no idea what to do. Pun intended, they were dead in the water. The Dolphins were dead in the water. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't I'm telling Jeff, you. Don't make me call Peter. <laughs> but Lamar Jackson, after he ran for the 75-yard touchdown, I'm like, 
there's no way the Ravens are losing this game. They're, but I got, but I gotta ask you, Jeff. Did you really think they had a chance of coming back? No, because I, even with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, I'm just like the way Lamar Jackson was playing. He was he's the right. first player ever to get a 75 yard touchdown pass and a 75 yard touchdown run in the game. The way he was just on an otherworldly level, and he didn't play bad in the fourth quarter, but. The Ravens, they need J.K. Dobbins back in the worst possible way. They don't have anybody that can take the pressure off Lamar. Yeah, I mean, they still put up 38 points, though, Jeff. I mean, let's be honest. They still put up 38 points. That defense failed the Ravens yesterday, not the offense. Oh, 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 yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and look, the offense did get the field goal to take the lead and kind of stop the bleeding. But I remember saying yeah. that Tucker kicked it. I'm, I'm okay. I'm like, well, I don't think that's going to stop the Dolphins right now because Tua is just – he was in video game mode. And everything – he was just hitting every single pass to Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Like, Hill, Hill had the big splash plays, but Waddle was the guy who got that offense going. And then Mike McDaniel, I got to give him credit as a coach. What a play design. Just giving the ball to Chase Edmonds there, running the football with 40 seconds left and – Basically getting him inside the 10-yard line, I'm like, man, Mike McDaniel can coach. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's still early. You know what I'm saying? And the, Dolph the Dolphins are 2-0, so they're starting off the season very well. But, you know, it's September. It's still on some level and extension of the preseason. You know, now we're going to be, you know, after, you know, tonight's games, you know, the Minnesota Vikings at the Eagles and uh, Tennessee and the Bills. After, after tonight, we're going to be entering week three. And I think now we're going to start to see teams start to formulate their identities, and we're start to going to we're going to start to see more consistent football. Because again, I believe that weeks one, week two are somewhat extensions of that preseason. So I mean, we'll see what happens. Ultimately, at the end of the day, this this was a spectacular weekend in football. I have to ask you a very controversial question, and this may throw some football fans out of whack, but I think Before it's about time we start having this Cowboys upset win here. <laughs> no, not that, not that one, not that one. I think something a little bit more blasphemous. <sighs> is Russell Wilson washed? Ooh, ooh, is he washed? Is or is Nathaniel Hackett out of his realm as a head coach? I it might I, be both, Tone. You know, because I mean, I mean, there's you know, great quarterbacks. Some t for the most part, they can overcome bad coaching. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, regardless of what the play is, you have to drop back and you have to throw that ball. So there were just like there were just moments where Russell Wilson just seemed out of whack. Is he trying to get used to his new team, the new digs, uh, the new uh, the new the new team, the new teammates, the new play? I, I don't know. I feel like there's a certain threshold or there's a standard that should always be set when you're a, a quarterback of Russell Wilson's caliber or what I think his caliber is. And. Two weeks in a row, he just looked – he didn't look like the Russell Wilson that we're used to. I don't know – I don't know if he's still nursing that thumb injury or whatever. The thing, I, I don't know. But Russell Wilson didn't look like Russell Wilson yesterday. No, he, he didn't. And, look, I didn't get to watch most of the Broncos-Texans game. You know, I was doing some of the box score. I did hear about the Nathaniel Hackett stuff, though, his whole game. I got to connect here with Dallas. What was Mike McCarthy trying to do at the end of that Cowboys game yesterday? Like, I, I, I don't understand his clock management at all. Look, I got to give Dallas all the credit in the world. Very impressive win against, I don't know if the Bengals are good or not. 
I mean, can we do an 0-2-0 reaction there? But I, I don't know, Tone. It, the it was, I, their defense, I said Friday, their defense is going to – if they win, it's going to be because of their defense. But their offense were 14 points in the first quarter, and that seemed like it was going to be enough. Well, I think it's I think it's fairly simple, right? The Bengals, it just seems like they don't know how to evaluate offensive line. They they have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And time and time again, Joe Burrow is running for his life. He got sacked six times yesterday. The week before that, he got sacked, what, seven times? Yep. So I got to be honest with you. I, firm, I firmly believe when, when contract time comes, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, they're not going to be Bengals anymore. The only way you keep those guys, if you throw the bag at their face, that those guaranteed dollars have to be tremendous. I firmly believe Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are not going to be Bengals once the once the contract talks come because the Bengals and I, I got to give the Bengals credit to a degree. They tried to invest in the offensive line. They tried, but something's not connecting. Is it the offensive line coaching? That's the only thing I can think of at this point because they 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 they've drafted guys there. They've brought in free agents. I think they brought in uh, Terrence Steele, right? Or or no, I'm sorry, Lyle Collins. What? It's yeah, one yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. One of, yeah. Right. I'm not familiar with Cowboys, you know, garbage, but, you know, the Bengals, they have an offensive line issue. They also have, and, and also, I can't get mad at the defense. The defense only gave up 20 points. The, 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 that, that, that high powered Bengals offense should be able to put up more than 20 points. I don't know what's going on. Is, 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 Zach, is, is Zach Taylor, you know, uh, a pretender was last year an anomaly? I have, I have to ask you. So, this is my issue, I, and I agree with everything you're saying about the Bengals' offensive line, but I got to fault Joe Burrows here, too. Stop looking for 50-yard plays every time you get the football. Stop it. And this is on the coaching, too, by the way. Stop with the seven-step dropbacks, especially when your offensive line is just getting pummeled. Uh, Micah Parsons made that, that offensive line look like Swiss cheese yesterday. Uh, there were holes all over the place, Tony. So, but Joe, Joe Burrow is holding on to the ball too long. He's... He has time to get rid of it initially, and they ha- they have to do quick passes. And this team will do it. They're looking for that big bomb, the Jamar Chase, the T Higgins. It's like it's like you and me playing four verticals in Madden. You know, we're just looking for the deep play, no matter what. And it was frustrating me watching some of that game yesterday, thinking, okay, like Dallas is blitzing. Why don't you go underneath? Why don't you force Trayvon Diggs and Anthony Brown to make tackles? And they just weren't doing it. And it just didn't seem like the Bengals really got into any sort of rhythm or figured anything out until they, it was in the fourth quarter. And I, I got to give Dallas all the credit in the world. They jumped out to an early lead, and they allowed their defense to kind of take over the game. And then when Cincinnati did tie it, look, Cooper Rush made the two throws he needed to make, and Brett Meyer kicked the field goal. But really, this, this Bengals-Cowboys game, if Cincinnati was started out, the way they finished, since they be one one, Dallas would be zero two. Right? Yeah, and I'm not. I'm still not paying Dallas any mind either. You know, um, but I got to get credit for credit. Is doing. Michael Parsons had five quarterback hits. That's significantly more than everyone else. Everyone else only had about one. He was the pass rush. And you said something really interesting, right? If you're if you're the Bengals, if you know your offensive line is suspect, if you're you're already averaging about six seven sacks a game right now. If you know your if you know your offensive line is suspect. Like you said, get involved in a short game. And Joe Burrow, stop always trying to look for the bomb. But 
when you have a it's it's, it's kind of like the, the curse of the gifted, right? When you have guys like Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, I know T. Higgins didn't play, but you have that high-powered offense. You can't help but the one to stretch the field. But the best quarterbacks know how to take what the defense gives them. You know, Patrick Mahomes is one guy that indicated that he's still learning how to read defenses. And you're starting to see Patrick Mahomes, you know, ev uh, evolve as a quarterback. You're starting to see his game uh, transcend because he's not only just settling for the big plays, right? He's starting to take the check down and allowing the offense, and allowing the offense to work for him and not trying to just force everything. So – Steven Jones said something very interesting yesterday before this game. Dak Prescott may be back for next week's game against the Giants. At the way Cooper Rush played yesterday, do you bring Dak back? Do you even consider this at this point? They, the Cowboys are are, are, are comedy, pure comedy. You, how do you turn a, a eight week recovery into a three, a two week recovery all of a sudden? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I think they're just saying that because they want to keep people in those seats. Dak Prescott is not coming back until probably after maybe week six, week seven, something. In, in, my, in my honest estimation, look, I'm not a doctor, right? I can't really make that estimation. If, you know, if they say he's going to come back, okay, all right, well, we'll see. But I just don't believe it. And if he does come back, he's going to be more of a liability than anything. How about the Giants, though? I know they only played Carolina. It was an ugly game. You, you got to respect it, though. You got to respect it. 2-0, 2-0. I mean, 2-0 is 2-0, and – Right now, as of this show, they are first place in that division, and they got a big game with Dallas coming up next week. And, look, uh, Saquon Barkley was contained for a lot of that game yesterday. But I, I agree with you. you got to respect what they're doing. I mean, who would have thought that Giants would start the year 2-0 two weeks ago? Yeah, you know, that's the fascinating part. I mean, they've had, they've had the luck of the draw when it comes to opponents. I'm not that high on the Tennessee Titans, I'll be honest with you. So I didn't think that was really uh, a – you know, a, a big win for them. Um, and I'm not high on the Carolina Panthers. Let's, you know, let's, let's be frank about it. The, the New York Giants are winning game or winning football games the best way they know how. Saquon Barkley or bust. And he didn't really have the best game yesterday, but they're, they're relying heavily on Saquon Barkley. They're, they're, they're limiting Daniel Jones, uh, Daniel Jones's throws. He only threw the ball. Well, he threw the ball 34 times yesterday. Uh, but the game before that, in week one, he threw the ball 19 times, I think, or something like that. But they're they're doing the best they can to limit his throws and make the throws easy. Again, I got to give credit where credit is due. Brian Dayball is coaching that team, and he's showing he he's 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 coaching them to be patient and poised and not get ahead of themselves. They could have easily, you know, got flustered throughout that game, but they but they remain true to who they are. They're leaning on Saquon. And they're making the throws easy. You know, I got to give credit where credit is due. You know, Daniel Jones, he's he's running the offense. And they're right now they're averaging about 19 points a game, 20 points a game. They're not world beaters at all. So the moment they run into a team that actually can put up some points, you know, then then they'll, you know, do you know, then they'll find we'll find out exactly who they are. But also, I've uh, got to give credit to their defense as well. You know, holding the Carolina Panthers only 16 points. You know, that's something, you know, that's something to hang your hat on. But I still believe the Giants. I have a I have, I have a have a long way to go, but you know it's a fun story. They're two and zero, um, you know, great, you know, you know, a uh, great situation when it comes to their opponents. So yeah, they're two and zero. It is what it is. But I think once we get deeper to the season, we're going to find out exactly who whoever one is. I gotta give you an extension on the Daniel Jones paper here. So I thought in the first half they didn't give Daniel Jones the ball enough. They they didn't trust him, and I I think that was by design. But I love what they were able to do to generate offense in the second half. Say, all right, Daniel, 
sling the ball around. But on that third and five, when they needed Daniel Jones to make a play, they call that naked bootleg with a quarterback who can run, and he gets that first down. And I said, okay, Brian Dable, this is the difference between a good coach and Brian Dable and a bad coach and Joe Judge. Because I think if Joe Judge is the coach yesterday, the Giants don't win that football game. Now they're 2-0, oh, yeah. and Jeff Kerr and Tony Shields actually have to consider this question. Are they going to be in the NFC East race? And I think next week against Dallas is – I mean, look, it might be a bad football game because Dallas has a really good defense. The Giants don't have a great offense. Their defense is playing well without Kayvon Thibodeau, without Aziz Uziari. So I, I don't know, Tone. It's That's going to be one of the most intriguing games next week, and I think it's on the same time as Eagles commit. By the way, they play next week, and we'll talk about Eagles in a bit, but I, I, I'll tell you what, Tone. It, it it's Through two weeks, I, I know the Eagles are the favorite, but this division just seems really unpredictable right now. Yeah. That's that, that's that's the word I would use to describe it as well. Um, very unpredictable. No one saw Dallas, you know, losing deck like that, and then no one saw them beating the Bengals. Um, no one saw the Giants starting the season off two and zero. Uh, you know, no. I, I I think the Washington Commander season is starting as expected, if you ask me. Um, but I think people, you know, that it's so funny that Detroit Lions, and we also have Mike Gill in the background, so we're going to bring him on very soon. But I want to make this final point before we go to our break. The, what the Detroit Lions did to the Washington Commanders adds validity to the Philadelphia Eagles win against them. The Detroit Lions have a legit pass rush. They know how to get to the quarterback. They put pressure on you. And it just shows you that if Jalen Hurts was not Jalen Hurts last week, we lose that game. You saw a st- you, you saw Carson Wentz back there being a stiff, barely could move. And they weren't able to really execute their offense. You, you saw you saw the difference in what actually, as a matter of fact, the, the, the way to put it is you saw Jalen Hurts' value. You saw his value in that Detroit Lions win against the Washington Commanders. You saw it. And I gotta give credit with Detroit. I gotta give credit with what credit is due with Detroit. That's two weeks in a row putting up over 30 points. Yeah. Final point, and I tweeted this yesterday. I know you saw it, Tone. I hope Eagles fans understand how big of a win that was last week against a good, tough team in their building. Because Washington couldn't do it. The Eagles could. All right, uh, we got to get to Mike Gill. Uh, got to go to break here. Mike Gill, we'll talk week week two. <laughs> I almost said week one. Week two <laughs> of this crazy, wild NFL Sunday, and we'll preview some Eagles right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. everybody mike gill in the house every monday we have mike gill here the recap an eagles win hopefully but we don't have an eagles game uh that's tonight mike and i will be at the link later tonight but we gotta recap this wild and crazy week two of nfc east games and we'll start with the cowboys mike what were your initial thoughts on that game well it was uh, the kind of game the cowboys need if they want to hang in this division which is they need their defense to dominate 11 was all over the place. I mean, absolutely wrecked that game for uh, since he, he was uh, – Parsons just absolutely dominated Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a mess. I mean, they all, they fixed that offensive line, which was their big problem last year. It doesn't look fixed unless it was just Parsons was that good. Could be. But their line was a disaster yesterday. Couldn't protect. They ran the ball well, uh, Dallas. Give Cooper Rush some credit. He made some tough throws. I thought the Cincinnati defense looked confused, and that's hard to do against Mike McCarthy. Um, but Dallas did what they had to do for a week anyway. Their defense led them. They ran the ball with Zeke. Pollard had a big day. Uh, that's the kind of game Dallas needs to kind of weather the storm. If they can get Dak Prescott back sooner than later, they'll be in this thing. Long-term, I still don't know about Cooper Rush, but you're right, Mike. They did what they needed to do yesterday. Built that 14-3 lead. Rush played really well. My biggest concern with Dallas yesterday was after they took the 14-3 lead, they did nothing offensively. That's going to be their problem. You know, they're going to have to, like, get out to leads or keep them close and make it a close game because of their defense and hope that their defense can carry them. You know, a couple years ago – wasn't last year. I think it was the year before, maybe. Maybe it was last year where they just had an inordinate amount of turnovers that they got. You can't really rely on getting that many turnovers. But in this little 
you know, pie without Dak Prescott. That might be their formula. Keep the games closed, try to get a touchdown or two with the offense, and then maybe, you know, their defense yesterday got a couple turnovers. Uh, the, the sacks just were so – I mean, Parsons was just – it was ridiculous. I, I'm thinking to myself, how did this team make the Super Bowl last year? They looked horrible last week. They look horrible again this week. The line doesn't look fixed. I mean, that Bengals team has big problems, it looks like. But this is the NFL. Next week, they'll probably win 35 nothing. You know how they made the Super Bowl? The Chiefs blew it in the second half. That's how they made it. Yeah, but the fact that they were there, the fact that they were even like uh, uh, in the game, like you're looking at like this was a playoff team a year ago, and they upgraded in the offseason. I think we all felt, man, this team's offensive line was such a problem last year. What did they do? They went out and did something the Bengals never do. They went out and fixed the problems that they had. Didn't look fixed yesterday, but I get you look. I didn't think Dallas was going to be a 4-13 and 13 type of team just because Dak went out because that defense is good enough to let them hang around. That defense in Dallas is going to be a problem. And one thing I had an issue with Cincinnati yesterday was, and I was telling Tone this before you came on, I do not like how Joe Burrow has to do seven-step drops all the time. They're looking for the 50-yard bomb every single play. It's like playing four verticals in Madden. And it feels like that ultimately led to Burrow getting hit Parsons dominating the game, and Cincinnati not getting their feet wet until the fourth quarter. Yeah, their offense just looks like it is way off base right now. It looks like it's a one-trick pony that they haven't been able to kind of get the timing right. Look, they weren't right out of the shoots a good team last year. They they kind of got better as the year went on. They really got hot in the playoffs. Um, you know, they're missing one of their, their, their uh, wide receivers. Um, but, look, they still have Jamar Chase uh, – and T. Higgins Boyd's out, um, but I think their offensive line is still a problem. I mean, they were supposed to fix it. It's not pass protecting. Mixon ran the ball a little bit yesterday, but they just – and again, could it be because of Parsons? Okay, I'll, I'll take that, but they didn't block very well last week either. They, they were lucky now. They faced a good Pittsburgh pass rush last week too, so we'll see as this season materializes for them. But I think the story was Dallas. I really do. I mean, I think when you look at Dallas, um, we asked them – to kind of get their running backs more involved. You know, Pollard, I think, had nine carries yesterday for 43 yards. Uh, C.D. Lamb, seven for 75. So he kind of balanced it out. He, he was able to kind of make some some catches in some spots. And I thought Elliott had his best game in probably a year. I mean, go if you take all his games from last year, yesterday, uh, 15 carries for 53 yards. But he had some some big rushes at, at key times in that game. I mean, maybe yardage output wasn't his best, but he looked a little like he had a little extra yesterday for, for the first time in a while because he has looked slow, and you're just kind of like, why won't they make the change? Yesterday I thought Elliott ran with a little bit more of a purpose. Do you still think they give the ball to him too much, though? Yeah, I mean, because the power's on my fantasy team. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I do. I think, you know, this league seemingly it's – the smaller, quicker guy. When I say smaller, quicker guy, I'm not talking about uh, you know some five foot eight, 190 pounds shifty back. I'm talking about just like guys who have a little bit more speed and explosion. And then the big guy kind of comes in, kind of like with the Eagles. You know, the year. Well, I guess that's not a great example because look, Garrett Blunt and Jay Ajayi were both bigger, pounding type of backs. But you know, you get that guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out in, in Kansas City is a smaller pass catcher. He runs hard. 
but he's smaller. And then you bring in Pacheco, who's a bigger guy. And the first week you saw that they didn't really use it in week number two, but the guy who the, the Pollard is the more explosive back. I think we can all agree on that, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And the fact that they don't give him as many touches, um, I think limits their, their big playability, especially in an offense that could really use a shot in the arm. Do you think Dak Prescott comes back next week like Stephen Jones says he might? No, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, just because um, they didn't put him on the injured list. So the timeline would say this week or next week, uh, this week three coming up or week four for them because they didn't I, uh, IR him. So that means – they think you have a shot. I mean, but go back to a couple years ago. My sprinklers just went on behind me here. Um, you remember the Eagles didn't IR Alshon Jeffrey the whole season, and they kept thinking he's going to come back. He's going to come back. He's going to come back. He's going to, and he never did. He never ended up coming back. Um, so there's a possibility they don't do it just for the the mental, the thought of, hey, we can get this guy back. We can get this guy back. If we just play, he can be back next week, and maybe he doesn't. So it could be more for that. Because quite frankly, um, they have uh, Greer as the backup there, right? So you, you've only got – they only had two quarterbacks. They had to activate both of them. They had to put both of them on the roster. Um, so the quarterback situation out there, they have two guys there right now that are that are there that have been there for pretty much the whole camp. They have Dak who was on the sideline last night. I mean, essentially he might have been calling plays for all we know, right? He was standing right next to McCarthy. He might be like, hey McCarthy, this is how you run a clock. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if he played, but I don't think he will. I, I wouldn't be surprised if his first game back is week six against the Eagles. Before I divert to the Giants here, did you happen to catch the whole Tampa Bay, New Orleans fight, and basically yeah. Bruce Arians instigating it. I didn't see how it all started. I saw the video of Evans just launching somebody, and then you know they kind of admitted that that kind of was the the jumping off point for them. You know that game had kind of been flat, and then they kind of got into that scuffle and and kind of took off after that. But um, what what was the the origin of it? So after Lattimore made the play and they didn't call a penalty. You see him yelling at somebody on the sidelines. And it's Bruce Arians. He ran right up to the sideline. And I'm like, wait a minute. Bruce Arians is on the sideline during these games? Like, how does Todd Bowles get the job done? And Arians just kind of, like, they were going back and forth. And then the whole Evans-Lattimore rivalry or whatever. Because they've been shoving matches before. And then all of a sudden, that came up. And then, I guess, Saints players were going after Tom Brady. and But it, it's just funny how it was Bruce Arians with no headset, no nothing on. And he's just yapping at at Marshawn Lyle, I was dying when it happened. Like a University of Miami game with all the alumni just standing there on the sideline, right? <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, so I'm thinking to myself, how does, again, how does Todd Bowles coach when the guy that won a Super Bowl for that franchise is basically standing there where he's in his ear or not? Well, they're 2-0, and so I, I got to say it's a flimsy 2-0, and though. Their offense doesn't seem to be nearly as explosive um, as it's been. And again, I think and that game was uh, at New Orleans yesterday, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And the Saints had beaten them four straight times. So 
Um, that's a tough. That was a tough win for the Buccaneers. So I, you know, it's probably a much better win than the score looks if you look at it. Whether they went twenty to ten, something like that. Uh, but I think that Saints team, as they're kind of tied to the Eagles a little bit with that draft pick, and everybody was like, "This team's gonna." I actually I do a segment every Tuesday called "Who's In, Who's Out," where I'll take the the week's results and then kind of go from that and try to pick who I think the playoff teams are going to be. I've had the Saints in all, all, you know, I do a preseason version uh, before the season. I had them in before the season. I had them in last week, and I'll probably have them in again, even though they lost that game yesterday when I do that segment tomorrow. I like that. Oh, Kamara didn't play. That's a big loss for them. Dan, talk about the Bucs. They have a gauntlet here with good defenses. Cowboys week one, Saints week two. Now you got Green Bay coming up. By the way, they won their first two games on the road. Now you got Green Bay coming in there week three. I mean, Tampa Bay's basically getting the playoffs in week in the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of tiebreakers. Look, I, and I had um, on Wednesdays. I I'll do my fine five, ugly five. They have been number two in my five, actually number three in my fine five. The the first two weeks of the season, I like that team mainly because I like their defense. Their offense is Brady, and you know we know they're going to be fine. But I don't think they're an explosive offense. Um, they're more of a methodical, uh, dink and dunk you down the field, but they have so many, you know, you have the best decision maker maybe in the history of the game. And then when you got Godwin healthy and he's not out there right now, they add that. I think Fournette looks a lot better than he had last year. Um, I love Evans. You know, he's one of my favorite receivers to watch. Um, so their offense will be fine, but their defense is just ridiculous. They've got, <laughs> they've got such a good defense. And they got and, and they have one of the better defensive minds running it all. Uh, Todd Bowles is a good coach. I, I got to give credit where credit's due there. Uh, I'll tell you who's really impressing me these first two weeks of the season. That's Brian Dable. I, I know it's just Carolina, Mike. But Love him. They're 2-0. and I, I got to give them credit. They're 2-0. and And I got to ask the question, are the Giants going to be a problem in this division this year? Yes. The answer is yes. And I – Loved the hire of Dable. We've been talking about it on my show and then and in, in the weeks that I've been a part of this show. I think the culture was changed in New York. I got the right coach finally. I think they have the right GM. They got the right people putting that team together. I don't know how many wins culture is responsible for, but that's a game they lose yesterday. I mean, that's a game where you're kicking field goals and you're just like don't have – look, their offense wasn't great yesterday. I mean, Galladay – $21 million. I think he had two snaps in the game, but guess what? Good for them for taking a guy who they paid money and not playing him because he doesn't deserve to be out there. So that's a culture setter right there. This guy doesn't deserve to be out here. I don't care what we're paying him. He's not playing. Tony didn't do anything yesterday either. He's supposed to be an explosive guy. Barkley had a decent game, 21 for 72. Uh, he had like three catches in the game. So you're like, where did they get the offense from? They didn't really, but they just believed that they were in that game. And that's where the culture is. We have changed the mindset here that they believe they can win. Carolina stinks, but you got to be able to win that type of game. You got to be able to win that type of game. I don't care what the final score is. You just scratch and claw. You know, when someone's got your back to the wall, you figure out a way to get that guy off of you. That's what the Giants did yesterday. Do I think they're a factor in the division? Not to win it, but to be a pain in everybody's ass. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Kenny Galladay. Two snaps, and then after the game, nowhere to be found. Lockers clean out. You have to wonder if the Giants are just going to cut bait or if he cut bait himself. 
Uh, I'm imagining, and I'm no cap wizard, but there would be a cap implications in that situation. Um, is there a taker out there that has some wide receiver problems that thinks, hey, if we get this guy here, maybe he can, you know, he was excellent in Detroit, what, two years ago. I don't know what happened. I mean, you put him on that team last year. Okay, the Giants last year were just a disaster. But you got Brian Dable in there who you thought, all right, this is a guy who you Sammy, um, not Sammy Watkins, although he was in Buffalo, Stephon Diggs, uh, Gabe Davis. Maybe he could figure out a way to cultivate this guy's talent. Hasn't happened. But that team is definitely, I wouldn't be surprised if they won six, seven games this year, maybe eight. And then next year, if they have another really good offseason, which I think they, they should, um, they got the good people in place. And they had a good offseason this year. They, they made smart moves this offseason. Um, I think next year that team is going to be in, in the conversation for the division. In the NFL, it happens so fast. You could be a four-win team to an eight-win team to a 12-win team like that. Look at the Eagles. I mean, they were a disaster two years ago. Last year, they made the playoffs. This year, people think they can go to the Super Bowl. It happens fast if you have the right people and the right culture. One thing I liked about that Giants game yesterday, and I didn't like it early. They didn't trust Daniel Jones enough. And I, I get I don't think Daniel Jones is their long-term answer quarterback. But in the second half, you could tell Brian Dan was like, all right, we need to get something here. Saquon's not going to carry our offense. You got us. We're going to have you sling the ball a little bit, Daniel. Threw the ball 34 times. But to me, I thought the, the, the one time they trusted him, the third and five, they just did the naked bootleg and said, you know what, Daniel? You're faster than everybody on the field. Go get this first down. Yeah. And that's the game I watch. It. I'm not a red zone guy, so I had the Giants game on yesterday. You know, I like to watch the NFC East games and kind of get my, you know, uh, my notes on them. And I and that play too, yeah. J Jones getting the third and five. It was more, you know, you watch a lot of these games now, and I think even the coaches sometimes get enamored by allowing the quarterback to do so much. Justin Fields last night scores runs for two touchdowns. But when you have to ask him to throw, I'm like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. Like he, They're all just looking, 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 waiting for the opportunity to take off. So they're dynamic in that. And, and I think Jones gets into that situation, too, where, you know, I, I just feel like they're – quarterbacks didn't play for three years, and now we're throwing them in immediately and asking them to basically learn on the fly. I don't think these guys have any idea how to play that position at all and they don't get taught the right way because you're basically using them in ways that you really shouldn't be using the quarterback but you have to because they're not advanced enough as throwers so jones all right you're the best guy we got you take it and third and five he gets that big play and um i agree with you i don't think jones is isn't he's not the guy that's going to take this team to that next level i think he's going to be part of getting this team in the right direction but not take him to the next level is it time for us I, I, we have but Eagles fan, and you you responded to this tweet yesterday. Eagles fans got very very upset when I said that was a good win against the Lions last week. Look at what they're doing to the Commanders, and yeah, you know, I, I I saw the responses. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. I overestimate the Lions. I said no, no, you overestimate them because the Lions just beat the crap out of the Commanders yesterday. They underestimate them. No, look, the Lions are similar to the Giants, where, and guess what. In this NFC field, I do my who's in, who's out. It's hard to find a, th a, a third wild card team. I wouldn't be shocked if the Lions were nine and eight and, and were the team that snuck in as a wild card. 
we talk about the Giants. If you're somebody out there watching right now and you're like, yeah, that Giants team, like, you know, they're starting to move in the right direction. I don't think they can win the Super Bowl. I, we're not saying that Lions can win the Super Bowl, nor the Giants, but they have certainly changed the culture of those two franchises, bringing in new ideas and, and new coach. Look, those teams have recycled coaches and it can't get the right guy. When you finally get that right guy, that's your first stepping stone. And I'm not saying Dan Campbell is some X and O wizard, but you have to get the players to believe that we can win. The Giants now have that guy. The Lions have that guy. Um, oddly enough, we thought getting Ron Rivera into Washington would help them get that guy. For whatever reason, it's not happening. I think they have some talent in Washington. For them to lose that game yesterday shows you two things. Maybe Ron Rivera is not that guy anymore. And two, the Lions are much better than we thought. Um, the Lions, look, I'm on Ross St. Brown. He had another monster day yesterday. At what point do you – look, this isn't like Travis Fulgham having four good games and just like he ripping it up. This. this guy has done it now for almost a full season where he's just a weapon. Um, when they get Jamison Williams out there, remember, people, Jamison Williams may have been the best receiver in this draft class – he hasn't played for them yet. They hope to get him back in the second half of the year. Um, you know, Goff is – he's nothing special, but he doesn't – you know, he just knows what to do. I mean, he, he, he's he been to a Super Bowl before. The guy's been to a Super Bowl before. So that – you know, he's, he's like a Jimmy G. You're not, like, enamored by the guy, but he makes good decisions. He's not going to beat you by himself, but he doesn't need to get beat you by himself. They have enough weapons – um, it's just that, you know, they've been so bad for so long. I think we don't respect their weapons. And look, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, he dials it up, man. He's not afraid to dial it up. And look, some games that's going to burn them. I would imagine, um, you know, Carson Wentz had a pretty good game yesterday. He threw for 330 yards again, and, and and he turned the ball over once. He had that snafu in the end zone. So his issues, Wentz is such a weird thing, you know, the, the, he had 2020 where he was just a disaster and turned the ball over in every which direction. But other than that year, he had not been a big turnover guy. He had the fumbling problems, but he was not a big turnover guy, you know, in terms of interceptions. I don't know what's happening with Washington's defense either. That defense was supposed to be really ferocious. This is the second year in a row where they have not out of the gates, you know, Chase Young being out, I think is a problem for them. Yeah, they just don't have anybody at linebacker and secondary. And that's why I thought guys like Amon Ross St. Brown would go off yesterday, and he did. And and I agree with you. It's I remember Eagles fans going, we're doing some bum named Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm like, that bum's been good for a year now. Like I, he's, He was better than Devonta Smith last year. Eagles fans don't want to admit that, but he was. And he, he is becoming a top 10 receiver in this league. He catches everything that's thrown to him, gets yards after the catch, catches a touchdown seemingly every week. He's just breaking NFL records, and it just happened overnight. Like, he was one – I remember talking to him before his rookie year, and he goes, Jeff, I'm telling you, man, when I figure it out, it's going to be something. And he wasn't wrong. Um, so, again, I, I like the Lions offense. I think their offensive line is very good. I like the matchup against Washington. I still thought Washington was going to win because I thought – they would beat that zero blitz. And they did later, but Carson Wentz could not escape like Jalen Hurts did last week. And, and again, this is why the Eagles won and the Commanders didn't. Yeah, the escapability of Hurts was the difference in that game. You know, saw Aiden Hutchinson have three sacks yesterday. Why? Because Wentz couldn't get out, and Hutchinson got pressure and was able to get him down. 
Whereas when Hutchinson got pressure, Hertz was able to step through it. You know, I don't think there's any question if you watch the game and take a look at the tape, the all 22, you'll see that Hertz made a lot of smart decisions. He got out, he made, uh, you know, uh, when pressure came, he stepped up through it and saw lanes to get yardage and figured, all right, this week, this is how I'm going to have to do it. Now, he's going to have to evolve, and hopefully the whole offense evolves. But for one week, I thought Hurts made a lot of smart decisions when the blitz came. You saw what the blitz did to Wentz yesterday. Now, I know it's hard to describe that to people who don't like Wentz and think Wentz stinks, but part of the thing is you could have put any quarterback back there that didn't have the escapability of Hurts, and they probably would have had similar results. Wentz had a big day throwing the ball. He threw for over 330 yards. He three touchdowns yesterday. You know, like it, it's one of those things where you're just like, hey, um, the, the, you have to sometimes give credit to the opponent Detroit in this case, uh, last week for the Eagles fans. I think you saw a team that every year, 17 out of 19 years, somebody goes from last to first. I'm not saying Detroit's going to go to first, but they could go from a team that no one thought anything of to a wild card team this year, much like the Eagles did last year. I can't believe it's been 45 minutes into this show and I haven't mentioned the really the Philadelphia Eagles yet. And they got a big game tonight against the Minnesota Vikings. You and I are both going to be there, Mike. And I I just don't know. I picked the Eagles to win, but I think it can go your way. But I think the big difference in this game is going to be the Eagles defensive line versus the Vikings offensive line. Yeah, this is one of those good discussions where the Eagles gave up 35 to Detroit. When are they going to give up against Minnesota, who has, you know, I think Minnesota has better skill players than Detroit does. Uh, Justin Jefferson, is you know better than Amon Ross St. Brown and and Amon Ross St. Brown's no slouch as we're seeing here. Uh, Adam Thielen is is a tremendous number two guy. Uh, Dalvin Cook, very explosive. Their problem is Detroit has guys to block up front. Minnesota is really weak in the middle. Bradbury not very good. The two guards not very good. They're good at tackle, good, not great. But I think the difference in the game tonight if for the Eagles to win has to be, and this is going to be a very big week to see, what does Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave have left in the tank? Last week, they did not have an impact on that game. Detroit's offensive line beat the Eagles' defensive line. Can Cox and Hargrave and Jordan Davis and Milton Williams and that group of tackles, they need to win in the center of the Vikings' line. That's the weak spot. So the Eagles need to dial up pressure in the middle of that Vikings line, get in the face of Kirk Cousins, which he's not a mobile guy. But last three games against the Eagles, he is averaging over 300 yards a game. He has torched them. So this will be an interesting chess match between Gannon, right, and O'Connell, the new coach out in uh, in Minnesota, to see, all right, is Gannon going to take the weak spots up the middle and send pressure at Kirk Cousins, or is he going to sit back and O'Connell – going to allow Kirk Cousins to do what he's done to the Eagles the last three times he's played them, pick them apart, throw for 300 yards. There's the chess match tonight that I'll be watching. And the Eagles can't sit back here. The Eagles had 16 missed tackles last week. They need to wrap Justin Jefferson up when he gets the ball. They need to wrap Adam Thielen up when he gets the ball. Because in my opinion, the Vikings are going to force it to Justin Jefferson again because that's that O'Connell, McVay, Shanahan offense. You get the ball, your playmakers, and you let them do their thing. Most important, too, don't forget, Dalvin Cook, got to wrap him up. Madison, when he comes in the game, those two guys uh, at running back, Dalvin Cook's one of the best in the game uh, when he's going well. Look, and and conversely, we talked about, I think last week, was the target situation. You mentioned Justin Jefferson. They, similar to the Eagles last week, Jefferson had 11 targets. The next guy had four. 
So you've got to, as you said, make sure that Justin Jefferson, that you know where he is. My, It'll be interesting to see how the Eagles choose to defend him because they have zoned Kirk Cousins the last couple times and he has picked them apart. So uh, what does John Gannon do? Does he ask Slay or Bradbury, hey, you're going to be manned up with, with, with Jefferson. The other guy is going to be manned up on the other side with Thielen and let's see what happens because – you would think the Eagles can play more man because they have some better linebackers now, but Gannon hasn't really shown through one game anyway that he is changing the way he's calling his defense, even with new personnel. I think that's what frustrates me with Gannon so much. I said there were there were two. I was on CBS three uh, Sports Zone last night, and I told Don Bell there were two things that bothered me. And the first thing was how they did not use Hassan Reddick as a pass rushing specialist. They kind of had him in coverage a lot and how they didn't play Jordan Davis enough. And I feel like you got to reverse that and put a little bit more of Nicobe Dean in there. And maybe a lot of the problems can be fixed, even the way Gannon runs his defense. Yeah, I thought, you know, when they got up 17, their mindset was Detroit's going to throw. And I think they called defense with that mindset of Detroit's going to go to the air because they're down 17. And this is where I give Detroit credit is even down 17. They didn't get away. Uh, from what they think they what they can do, which was run the ball against the Eagles. And the Eagles had a defense that said, well, you're not going to run. And the Lions are saying, well, if you're not going to defend the run, we're going to keep coming after you. So the Eagles thought the Lions were going to get in panic mode in the third quarter, and they didn't. So I thought that was one of the problems with John Gannon last week. He didn't read the room. Hey, the Lions are running the ball against us. We've got to now tell them, okay, um, you got to start throwing the ball against us. So I think that chess match is going to be interesting to see if the, if the Vikings do the same thing, well, you're not going to defend the run. We're going to keep running the ball at you because this Vikings team, you know, as much as they have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, they could run the ball at you and be very effective um, because, quite frankly, throwing the ball for them, their weak spot is pass blocking up the middle. So it's kind of a – they've got to pick their spots when they want to throw the ball. They just happen to have two great skill guys. Oh, and Jalen Rager, don't forget about him. Outside of – Jalen Hurts, what Eagles player will we be talking about at this time tomorrow? Um, it's a good question. You know, where's the weak spot in the Viking defense? And you could pick a couple spots here. And I think if you I think if you look at what the Vikings need to accomplish on defense, it's much like with the Eagles. All right, they got a bracket Brown. He had 13 targets last week. I think the Vikings try to take him out and say, All right, Devonta Smith, let's see if you can pick up the slack this week. So I think tomorrow. Uh, if we're looking back at this, I think the Vikings probably try to take Brown out and Devonta Smith is the guy to find out if he gets the, you know, picks up the slack. So if the Eagles win, I think it'll be a Devonta Smith game this week. Um, maybe a maybe a, a Goddard. One of those two guys I think will be the guy that we're talking about uh, tomorrow, but probably Smith will have to be the one that picks up the slack. You have an early prediction for before I let you go? I mean, it's before 8 o'clock in the morning, so by the time I get to my show, I might change my mind. But so far, I'm going Eagles 31-28. I like it, Mike. Uh, I picked them to win by 7, by 10. I didn't make a final score yet. Maybe I'll save that for the sports bash later today. But. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like 31-28. I feel like, um, you know, keep this in mind, too. Oh, the Vikings uh, just gave up 30. The, the Vikings last week, you weren't playing on the road. You know, so now you're going to have to deal with the Eagles noise. That makes a difference. We saw what it did to the Eagles the week before. So let's not take what the Vikings did a week ago against Green Bay. And then Green Bay last night, of course, beat Chicago. Um, that Chicago team is getting better. I mean, they changed their coach too. 
Uh, but they're not. I mean, they, they, they just don't have any skill guys. They have no speed on, on offense. Um, but they're getting better. But you see what Green Bay did to the Bears last night, and then you're like, oh, look what Minnesota did to them. we got to stop comparing who does what against who. It's a week-to-week proposition in this league. Styles make the fights. As every style changes, you might match up better with this team's style, but you might not match up well with that team's style. That doesn't mean that Detroit's better than Minnesota, but in the end, Detroit's style might be more of a problem for Philadelphia than Minnesota's style is. And I think the offensive line issues for the Vikings is generally the kind of games that Philadelphia will get you is when you have line problems where they can get pressure, where they don't have to send pressure. Right, they don't want to blitz, so when they don't have to send or manufacture their own pressure, that's when the Eagles generally will excel on defense. With them, they can get pressure with their own guys, uh, with their front four, and not have to blitz. And I think that should happen tonight. If it doesn't happen tonight, we're going to be talking about this tomorrow. Is all right. Where's the interior of this line? Where's Fletcher Cox? Where's Javon Hargrave? And I'm going to watch the snaps there because there was a series in Week One, late in the not in the late mid fourth quarter, big drive. And the, the Eagles had um, their two backup tackles in, in in a big drive late in the game. And I'm wondering if John Gannon thinks, hey, my young kids are getting me a little bit more production right now. And I want to see if that kind of slowly happens as this season goes on. Or do the two veterans make a big difference tonight? Mike, always a pleasure having you on. You're going to be on every Monday. I love breaking down these games with you. I'll be seeing you in probably, what, about six, seven hours or so? I can get there, man. It's a, it's a long day. These these 720s come a little early for me on the on a Monday. Hey, try being up till one o'clock doing overreactions and getting up for this. <laughs> yeah, I'll be at uh Ocean Casino tonight uh for my show at two o'clock. Uh we got uh, a long list of people breaking down the game. And uh so we'll be there from two to six, and then we're gonna try to rush up to uh Philly. Uh we got uh, John McMullen at three. And uh, Mike Missinelli at 5.30. Ooh, what a star-studded cast today. All right, Mike, uh, let's get ahead. Have a good day, and I'll hopefully catch you tonight. Yep, I will be DMing you a time here soon. All right, sounds great. Thanks, Mike. All right, and I got to give my tribute to Jerry McDowell. We got to put a bow, a bow on the show right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. 
Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. tonight i'll probably be there till about two three o'clock and i'll probably get home and sleep for about an hour or two and then come on this show and probably complain like the rest of you guys about the game win or lose so yeah it, it's gonna be an interesting night for sure i can't wait to get down to the link uh, i can't wait to see all the eagles fans uh it's gonna be my first game there in about three years yeah because obviously with the pandemic and everything else i ain't covered that many nfl games i covered a lot of ravens games last year a lot of jets games I covered the Eagles on the road, but I haven't been at the link because of COVID protocols and stuff. It's one of their policies. But, yeah, I'll be back um, tonight. Uh, I'm pretty excited to go back there. Uh, excited to, to see what the Eagles can bring against what I think is a good Vikings team. But we'll see. Uh, you know, teams we think that are good in the NFC may not be as good because this conference is wild. Um, you know, Green Bay has a big win last night, but they played the Bears. The Bears stink. The Lions may be better than we think. Washington has a good offense. They have a crappy defense. Dallas, who knows? Um, the Giants, who knows? I don't think the Giants are going to be anything, but they're 2-0. You got to give them respect. Um, I just think the best thing for the Eagles right now is to keep pace. Just keep up with the Giants. They got a big game next week, short week, against Washington. Washington's going to bring it. I, I mean, they're going to score some points, and Carson Wentz is going to have – he won't admit it, but he will have some of that revenge factor on his mind. But I just don't know if the Commanders can stop anybody. But, again, I, I'm picking the Eagles to win tonight. I, I think I'm going to go 30-23. I think the Eagles' defense is going to make enough plays. I, I just don't like the Vikings', the Vikings offensive line. I don't. Uh, they, they haven't had a good offensive line in what seems like 20 years. and They just can't get the right offensive line coach. They just can't get the right offensive lineman there. They don't develop their, their offensive line enough. Because Kirk Cousins gets rid of the ball quick for a reason. He's a good quarterback. Oh, and I will stick with my Amon Ross St. Brown is better than the Bonta Smith take. So it, it's not a take. It, it's reality. Just look at the Amon Ross St. Brown's numbers since week 12 of last season. He's in the top five in every category. All right. Tone's telling me I got to get out of here. So I'll see you guys tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., Burst 365 with Jerry McDonald and John McMullen. Coming up next.
fun recap of week two. Have a good day, everybody.